So the best part about early stage investing is it is a pretty breadth centric. So you need to have interests in a very wide variety of fields and that curiosity needs to step from one place to another. So hi everyone, welcome back to Weekly Business Podcast. So today we are joined by Jivraj Singh Sachar, who is the podcast host of Indian Silicon Valley. So hi, Jivraj, could you briefly explain to the audience who you are and what you do? Surely. Thanks for having me, Ruhi. Really glad to be here. Uh, I'm Jivraj. I'm the host of the Indian Silicon Valley podcast as shared with Ruhi. Uh, the podcast, for who may not be familiar, is one where I speak to a bunch of founders decoding in simple terms what it means to build a company in India. So if you've ever thought about starting up, this is the go-to place for you. And the North Star metric is to ensure that anybody who ever wants to start a company has the tools and resources in terms of insights to build a company. And that's what I'm out to go ahead and do. Beyond what I do with the podcast, I also work at AngelList India, which is an early stage platform for investing in tech companies across the board. And we level the playing field there as well because we democratize early stage investing. And it's been a pleasure being there. And I've recently started investing myself. So yes, uh, I consider myself to be a student of Indian uh, startups. And that's what I keep doing with a bunch of my niche. That's awesome. So it's came, kind of came full circle for you with your interest in the Indian startup ecosystem. And now working at AngelList and also doing your own investing. So I wanted to understand from you. So how did you get into investing? And what's your advice for people who want to start investing? Sure, I think uh, the early stage uh, ecosystem, especially in private markets, uh, is a pretty tricky place to be in because you work with almost very limited data points and you're working with a lot of access and a lot of mode in terms of just understanding things differently. So I think uh, the caveat there is it's not meant for everybody, but I was just lucky to have thrown into this world wherein I picked up things just purely out of curiosity and that's what keeps me going. The best, uh, the best part about early stage investing is it is a pretty breadth centric. So you need to have interests in a very wide variety of fields and that curiosity needs to step from one place to another. And not a lot of people are okay with just making decisions based on qualitative factors as opposed to quantitative factors. So as long as you can maybe uh, dumb it down to that extent, and if you think you are curious about it, I, I would recommend going forward with it. For me, the journey took uh, shape almost naturally because I started a podcast, I started talking to founders, I started talking to investors. And, and this communication and interaction with a bunch of folks from the ecosystem made me realize that a natural extension of what I was doing in terms of building a community, in terms of uh, enabling networking, was that uh, I was getting a lot of early stage folks come to me and ask for interest. And so I realized that if I can do this on a scalable basis, I can start investing myself and be a real value add for companies. And defining that value becomes of supreme importance. So in very layman terms, the idea is that you need to be aware of the risks and returns. This is, of course, a very risky asset class and traditionally not one that has been very liquid in the country. So if those caveats stand true for you, and if you still want to go ahead and invest, today there are multiple tools that democratize investing. You should just take the leap of faith because it's one of the most intellectually stimulating forms uh, of investing. But at the same time, you must be cognizant that it is fairly risky and you're working with limited information so you need to make your peace with that and i'm really glad i started doing it 
Yeah, I think some of the biggest takeaways for the audience today are it's a risky asset class and there's limited information in early stage startups. So my one question to you is, so what is one Indian early stage kind of startup that excites you after talking to numerous people on your podcast? What is that one startup that excites you in the Indian ecosystem? Sure, I think uh, there's a startup called Khayal. Khayal is basically solving for the elder care ecosystem in the country. And very often what I figured is that there are some of these white spaces, uh, unsolved problems in the country, right? Elder care being one of the largest unsolved problems. And so what Khayal is doing is incredibly special. Plus it has a very, very strong mission orientation. And so Khayal for me is that one company that truly stands out. And I feel they have an insane future ahead of time. Uh, and uh, yeah, I hope they succeed. But across the board, I think uh, it's a great time to be a founder in the country, especially in the next five years. Some of the greatest companies will be born out of India that will go on to shape the future of in the Indian economy. And uh, we should all be just uh, pleasantly surprised and keep waiting. And in fact, be super thankful that we are present in a time and have the awareness to absorb what it really means and to be at the par, to be a part of this innovation cycle, right? So I think there could not be a better time to be a founder. And if you're a founder in India right now, you're probably super privileged to be there. So take that advantage and build the future of tomorrow. Yeah, so that's a great point on India being this uh, kind of great place to be as a founder. So what's your kind of take on the Indian startups ecosystem and the hubs in India and even outside of India, like, for example, in Singapore, Dubai, etc. Sure, I think, uh, as I was mentioning in my, you know, last thought, uh, I think um, if we go back, you know, if we take a step back and realize where our GDP growth will take place, uh, we will come to the realization that all of it, uh, or rather a majority of it will happen by fast growing startups that will take on really hard problems and solve them head on. So I think uh, when we understand that piece, we understand how relevant it is to be a part of India startup ecosystem, especially now. Uh, why do I mention now? Because there are a bunch of market headwinds that are just falling in place for the India, Indian ecosystem. For instance, you know, the first layer of founders and entrepreneurs who laid the groundwork for the infrastructure has have now successfully done that. So uh, now it is the time to take advantage of that infrastructure, take advantage of the other headwinds like, you know, UPI solving for payments, uh, internet and geo solving for internet connectivity and penetration in the country. And as, you know, 600, 700 new million users of India come to the internet, I think technology is going to play a huge role in solving for them. So given the size of our country, given the talent density of our country, and given the problem vis-a-vis -vis opportunity that is present here, I think there could not be a better time to start a company and there could not be a better geography to start one than India. And as you mentioned, I think adjacent geographies around Southeast Asia are also ones that exhibit similar demographics, similar behavior, similar expansion for similar um, macroeconomics and if we were to follow that same trend there is incredible scope in countries such as Singapore, 
uh, and a bunch of others, Thailand and stuff like that, because so much is happening. And I think similar patterns can be observed there as well. So I think India and Southeast Asia remain to be some of the most exciting geographies in the entire world to start companies and generate value. Yeah, that's some fantastic insight you shared. And I think your great point on the power of the internet and technology, which will help to scale startups. So my next question is, so you visited Bangalore a couple of times and is it all that it's hyped up to be? Since I'm not from Bangalore, I'm not sure if I'm qualified to share an opinion there, but uh, in in a world of technology, I truly believe that uh, a city should not be a defining factor to somebody's success. So while, of course, Bangalore has its merits and it has a way to create serendipity, it, of course, comes with its own sets of downsides. And you could say to an extent that maybe it is hype. However, I mean, it is what you make of it, right? And I truly believe that if you are somebody who is originally driven, no city can stop you. So even if you are in Bangalore, you're going to see the positives, you're going to be able to make the most out of it. But if you are any way driven, you, you could be from a Kolkata, Patna, or any other city with not as much of an ecosystem and still leverage the internet to build something out of it. So I think the more important question to ask ourselves is, okay, what drives our motivation? Then which city are we in? But that's not to take away from the fact that since there are multiple companies which have now been born out of Bangalore, it only makes more sense that there is exhibited success and there are enough people to champion the cause of each other and support each other to build the next generation of companies. So I think credit where due in the sense that Bangalore has of course provided for a thriving ecosystem in the country and insane collaboration. And while that will continue happening, we shouldn't be bound by geography in any way. And I think we should leverage the best uh, of the internet from wherever we are. Uh, that's my broad sense. Absolutely. And I think the power of the internet is a great segue into podcastings and kind of the remote technologies out there that have made podcasting possible. So I wanted to kind of get your take on how do you build out a podcast and how what's the secret sauce to making a chart-topping show like the Indian Silicon Valley podcast, for example? Sure, I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have so much to thank the, the virtual world when it comes to building a podcast, because considering that uh, I'm building one which is interview-led, wherein I speak to somebody else, I think uh, virtu the virtual world becomes an insane level, wherein I'm able to get guests on board who are, of course, from multiple different geographies. I've spoken to folks from Europe, I've spoken to folks from uh, across India, of course, and also from the US. And so I've been able to cover the entire world without having to step beyond my room. And that could only be possible if there is a virtual world, right? So I think um, we have a lot to thank technology for. But coming to the larger point of building a podcast, I think... Uh, uh, I think Naval summarizes it the best, the founder of AngelList, where he says that, you know, building a podcast or rather he says like taking asymmetrical risk is a great framework to think about. A podcast is an asymmetrical risk. What does that mean? You almost uh, in layman terms have, you know, defined downside risk, but uh, almost undefined upside risk. For me, it began as a crucial, I mean, it began as a, natural step towards exploring my curiosity. I always wanted to build a company. I still do. And I felt that, okay, 
till i was ready to build a company or till i gathered the necessary skills technically to build a company what would be the next best way and for me that way was to learn from the, some of the best people in the businesses who've been there done that as opposed to you know reading from a book where i might not find the necessary context or as opposed to getting con- content from you know us geographies or other geographies which may not be able to i mean they were not look and feel right i could not make sense out of it even though i wanted to not because uh, there was not enough content but not because there was not enough context so i figured that there were more people like me and uh, if they i mean even if i couldn't recognize them on spot i realized that if i'm feeling this somebody else ought to as well and so i started the podcast as a way to level the playing field which is to say that just because i'm not a part of an ecosystem that does not mean i should not know how to build a company and just because i do not have direct access to somebody it does not mean that i should not know how to build one so i started talking to founders and it began with a simple thesis as that uh the idea that you know in two years what i've realized has made the podcast decently i'd say you know in a modest way of course successful in its own category is only because i've been able to a keep at it and be insanely ambitious and the keep at it point comes from the fact that uh, a podcast is not a get rich fast scheme right it is more uh, the point of compounding and uh, of course without financial metrics just being a learner and a student i think all of this really 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 counts for a lot and it really matters how you look at your eventual motivation so since my motivation was always learning i was able to stay true to it and persevere you know the down parts and thus build a podcast over 100 weeks without missing a single week and to be able to do that really means something so i think that's one cue so you have to keep at it further i think the second point of you know just being insanely ambitious comes from the fact that if you're building something niche or if you're building anything rather ambition plays a great role and as they say i think anybody is only bound by their own ambition so you need to be supremely ambitious not let people deter you from your pathway and know where you're headed and so in that process if you can you know be ambitious and try every once in a while luck strikes and you are able to build on top of that luck so i think uh, those are some of my thoughts on you know podcasting why did i start and what helped uh, continue it and build it out in a rather nice manner awesome so yeah I, i agree with you that you should be keeping at it you should be consistent and you should also be insanely ambitious i think that's a really great point that you shared so what do you now believe is your superpower in podcasting one of the primary aspects is the fact that i've been able to keep at it and podcasting is something that just builds over time so things around credibility things around the process it is just so iterative in nature that you can only know with time whether or not you're doing well and once you know what's working for you it is just about stepping on the you know gas and ensuring that you can keep at it so what somebody cannot take away from me is the credibility i have built with the show over time and the collective insights podcasting is less about talking it's less about hearing it's more about absorbing and that absorption comes from just spending time in that field and now since i've produced over 7500 minutes of content i think it is very hard for anybody to take that away from me and i think that is the best part about podcasting right these are timeless insights 
And if you can think of it as more of an insight business as opposed to, you know, a creation business, I think uh, that really helps. And so the fact that it compounds and the fact that uh, a decent start and timing helps are things that I really treasure. If somebody is thinking about building a podcast similarly, I think you just need to define that unique value that you provide. And so I've always kept that as my North Star. My unique value is decoding how to build a company. Very simply stated, right? And if you can define the same for what works best for you and accordingly understand what that unique value is going to be for your audience and how you can work backwards from it, I think that works like magic. Absolutely. And I think you have a great point on defining your North Star and the unique value proposition that you're also going to provide through your podcast. So now I wanted to kind of segue into Anu Rita Menon, and she asked the following question. So how do you prepare for your podcast? Any pre-interview or post-process kind of thing that you can share? Absolutely. I think uh, the natural rule of thumb there for me uh, is that uh, I need to know everything, almost everything rather, about the guests that I am hosting and about their company so that I can be equipped with a natural sense of what's next during the conversation. I think some of the best questions come intuitively as a part of the flow of the conversation and that can only happen if the research is done in a way where you have grasped enough to develop some sort of intuition to what's happening. Now, having said that, I will also try to iterate and echo the fact that some amount of preparation is always good. I've seen far too many times people say that preparation is not a great thing, especially in podcasting, we keep it natural, organic. No, no. I really don't believe in that fact and I truly think that it works best if you are prepared. So I try to for sure ensure that, you know, I have a set of questions and also the thought process behind why that question communicated in advance to the guest so that they also have a sense of background to where I am coming from. And so they can be equally or other, if not equally as, as uh, communicative and as involved in the conversation as you are. And that always helps. So I think uh, to summarize, the broad sense of what I do with the preparation is ensure my research is on point, then I curate a set of questions that can be best communicated to the founder that I am hosting or to the guest that I am hosting and post that it is a synthesis and ensuring that there is unique value from that conversation. Some of the guests that I host have, of course, been on multiple other podcasts and I don't want to sing the same song again. So I try to be incredibly cognizant of the fact that I need to share something unique so that a user's time and a consumer's uh, time is valued uh, because that is one of the hardest commodity to fight for, which is time. So yeah, I do that. I think that's a fantastic framework. So Aaron Vita also asked you, um, how do you make the experience for the people coming on the podcast meaningful? So you explained a bit about how you prepared for the podcast, but now I wanted to kind of segue into how do you make the experience for the people something that's meaningful? How do you build these kind of relationships with them? And how do you network with them once the episode is out or once you've kind of finished the episode? Sure, uh, happy to answer this. And it's interesting, right? I think uh, 
unfortunately i don't think there's a playbook for this it is more about uh, the genuine effort that you're putting into the conversation because what i think has worked in my favor is a general appreciation of the process which makes founders also understand that okay this is different i think it's the small things that matters in this aspect and since founders do more a lot of interviews they know what's what so all i can suggest in this regard is i try to be honest to myself i try to put in the right kind of effort and i try to curate with all my heart and if i've been able to do all of these three aspects well inevitably the impression left on the guest is somewhat positive and then it depends upon you know how curious are they to understand more about something like this but the idea to keep in mind is if i can so the the not start for me as a host is to ensure that i can help my guest think out loud i think thinking is the best exercise and if somebody can induce that thought process that thinking nature uh, i think nothing works better than that so if I, i i try to be super deliberate about the kind of things i'm asking and if that can prompt some sort of reflection some sort of thought uh, in the mind of the guest i think that works really well and automatically translates into building a thoughtful relation with the founder because they end up appreciating that there was some amount of effort and hard work put into this and thus they also want to continue that relation because it's very both way right it's not a one way thing it needs to come from both ends and it eventually does if the smaller aspects are taken care of and if there is genuine appreciation of the process from both aspects right if i appreciate the fact that somebody is being involved somebody is being candid as a guest on the show and if they can be as well in some shape or form i think that works really well so yeah i think that is from experience as to what i try to do to ensure there is some sort of relation some sort of enhanced engagement from the guest on this particular conversation and i think you had a great point on kind of focusing in on small things and you made a great point also on how you have to put a lot of genuine effort into preparing for the conversation and have a general kind of appreciation for honesty and curating with all your heart that was some amazing insight and so my next question to you is so how do you now leverage social media as in linkedin to put the word out there about your podcast what is it that makes someone motivated to listen to your podcast right i think i mean i'm sure everybody knows this but uh, social media just enables distribution like anything else some of these platforms have in built such amounts of mass audience that you just need to ensure your messaging is correct and the rest of it gets taken care of by these algorithms so what i try to try to do is you know try and articulate the most interesting aspects of a conversation and put it out there for somebody and then it depends upon how deep do you want to go to the idea as a creator should be can i ignite some sort of curiosity and leave it up to them for act for action right because the idea is that the social media post is just, has an eventual call to action to listen to the podcast right but somebody will only do that if it is curated in a way that ignites curiosity so yeah i think that's the broad aspect i don't know how successful i've been on that front but uh, the more important part uh, as opposed to you know just distributing content is retention and retention comes from the basics of creation 
like somebody once told me that the best aspect of let's say best aspect of being a podcast host is not just attracting an audience once you need to have the cognizance that while an audience can be attracted once somebody from the audience they will only stick back if your show is worth sticking back and they will only return if they like that one audio piece right so having the understanding that you don't just need to attract somebody once you need to keep them on a loop is very very important so the way i do this is i'm trying to write more often than not long form content on linkedin uh, with a couple of bouts of let's say short form content if that attracts somebody it maybe leads to a subscription of the channel or they start following something and then they keep track of okay this is how i can keep engaging with it and presence thus really matters i think a cadence to it which is not something i've done as regularly and i wish i could do better a cadence to posting on social media definitely helps because there is a lot of merit in again you know just showing up writing good content over and over again because somebody will take notice and more than somebody taking notice the algorithm definitely takes notice so yeah i think uh, some of these aspects really work and yeah hopefully to those you know building any kind of content piece they are able to leverage more than one channel to distribute their content be it you know leveraging a group of channels but knowing where your channel is doing the best for instance i know audio works best for me in terms of the content in itself and overall uh, linkedin works well for me for distribution and so i keep doubling down on them with a little bit of experiments on every other channel here and there yeah i think you made a solid point at the end about knowing which channel does best for you in terms of your distribution and also in terms of your content and having a deep understanding of that along with the retention aspect will kind of help to grow your show, show as well yeah it was an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you on the show and it was really fun chat awesome lovely chatting with you as well ruby thanks for having me on your show always a pleasure with discussing more about podcasting and the early stage investing ecosystem and indian startups thank you for having me